Adagio for strings, a masterpiece of pathos and catharsis, composed by Samuel Barber in 1936. A beautiful, mournful work, broadcast during the announcement of the death of FDR. Perhaps best known these days from the powerful and iconic scene in the movie Platoon, depicting the death of Sergeant Elias, played by Willem Dafoe. You're tuned to listener-supported 89.1 WNWA, your only source for classical music and gangsta rap. Up next, a Dr. Dre composition from 1992, Bitches Ain't Shit. You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a mostly improvised podcast produced in New York by Jack Helmuth and Brian Sack. QMPodcast.com Baking Clinic. I was wondering if you had any openings for this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you need some baking help? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, you know, with the holidays coming yep. up, um, sort of dawned on me that it's always my wife in the kitchen. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, as the Lord intended, yep. but still I, I want to, you know, I want to expand myself a little mm-hmm. bit and, and see if I can be a, l- a little bit more help. You want a little, a little baking skill. You want to go back to your wife. You want to surprise her with your sudden ability to, to make a baguette or to, to make a little uh, focaccia bread or something like that. That's what you want to do. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. You know, cause, cause women really like that when you make an effort, when you do something like that. Uh, they, they, they will be all over you. Trust me. They, I, I'm beating the ladies off with a stick, you know, cause I can make, really, a, can you talk more about yeah, that? I can make an olive oil pie. And when, when a woman hears that, she, they're just, they cling to me. Like I'm in the beastie boys, just pawing my arm. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> Do you get, you get like beastie boy level strange? I get beastie boy level strange. I have a, a column. He's a, he's, he works for me now. He's a lady coordinator. And, and what he, really? yeah. And so what he does is he, when the ladies hear about my bacon skills, they literally line up and he'll go up and down the line. He knows what I like and he, he will, he will select them. They each get like a ticket and, uh, and they'll get a little ticket and they can redeem that ticket and they, they can walk into my bakery anytime they slap that ticket down on the counter and the, mm-hmm. they get their business. Uh, last week I had a baker's dozen of women. No yeah, kidding. 13. Oh, that's odd because they're all for the baker. They're all for the baker. I don't, I'm not following. <laughs> well, normally it's, you know, you, you cook 12 and then there's one for the baker. It's 13. A baker's dozen. There's one that you keep set aside just for yourself. Yeah. In this case, it's all 13. They're all for they're you. All for me. Now I get what you're talking about. I didn't know, I didn't know the etymology of baker's dozen or the, where that phrase came from. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, I assumed it was about ladies <laughs> lining up for me. Well, I mean, I guess it is in your case. So, so tell me about this lady coordinator that you had. Is that what the name of the, 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 uh, the position That's is? That's what I, I call him the lady coordinator for Baker B. Okay. And you're Baker B? Yes. Great. Is that short for something? My name is Devin. <laughs> cool. Oh, it was so nice to meet you, Devin. Um, so, you know, I was wondering. BB for short. Baker BB? Oh, BB. Yeah, BB. BB. Listen. Okay, cool. You're going to come in here. I'm yep. going to teach you. I'll teach you how to make a Dutch baby. Oh, cool. And uh, anything, um, is that when you um, lay with a Dutch woman? No, it's flour and egg. 
Oh, I'm not interested in that. Uh, I, I, I initially called with an interest in baking, but now I'm much more interested in the fact that I'm uh, unsatisfied in my marriage. And this seems like a real opportunity to uh, check some things off the bucket list. Yeah. Then, you know, you're going to come out, you make a baguette. All right. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a bit. Ba- we'll teach you how to make a French baguette. It's not easy if you want to do it right. right. But if you mm-hmm. do it right and you shape it like, like a phallus, you're going to get the message across. Oh. Yeah. Guys love that stuff. Certain guys love a phallic uh, baguette. I'll tell you that. And I got a, I got a guy. He's, he, he's my dude coordinator. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's your what coordinator? My dude coordinator. When they see me make a phallic baguette, they're line up around the block. Oh. Uh. Okay. I had a baker's dozen last Wednesday. <laughs> you know what I kept saying? I had a running joke the whole whole day. Oh, it's I love running jokes. What is it? I I just turn around and say, "Hey, it's hump day, isn't it?" Right. You turn around because that's they, they were generally behind you. Yeah. Once they saw that phallic baguette. So it sounds like you're really BBB. Bye, Baker Devin. <laughs> yeah. More beer back. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) But let's get back to the real important stuff. Thank you. Which is you learning baking at my baking clinic. Yes. Are you comfortable around kosher salt and flour and eggs? I'm not comfortable with the kosher part. No, I understand. You're one of those. Let's just say I'm a real Kyrie Irving fan. Got it. I know what you're saying. Wink, wink. Regardless, it's good salt. Okay, well, if they make good salt, then, you know. I tried doing halal salt. My kid came into the into the kitchen holding uh-huh. a picture. She said, Daddy, I drew the profit, and the oven blew up. No kidding. Yep, shot the door across the kitchen. Left a huge Damn. mark in the wall. That's terrible. I'm sorry to hear that. What's going to give me the ladies? What's What baking nonsense do I need to do? You're not one of these gluten people, are you? No, I, I'm above 30. All right, you're going to get the ladies then. Great. Great. You will feel like a rock star. I walked out of my house, mixing, mixing, walking down the street, and people looked at me like I was Axl Rose. Wow. Good good reference. Thank you. Guns and Roses. Sure. <laughs> so in this case, I sort of pretend it's 30 years ago to really sort of get the impact of what you're saying. You know, I, they thought I was Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Right. You've chosen the two most masculine rock stars of the last 50 years. Well, you know, I'm talking about rock stars who are okay with a phallic baguette. Oh, God. Because I tried that with Bruce Springsteen and no, sir. No, sir. There was no E Street band for B. (laughs) And that's a euphemism for? Devin. (laughs) Hey, Brian. Hi, Jack. What's new uh, with you, my friend? Well... Uh, there is something new. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, it looks like the cat is um, in the, it's, it's, it's on its ninth life. Oh, no. So your, your kitty is not doing, is ill. I wouldn't say she's a kitty. I mean, she's small like a kitty, but she's old. And she's, she's, a, okay. And she's, uh, yeah, she's walking to the left a lot. Okay. Kind of in circles, which is a bad sign. That usually means a brain tumor. Okay. Oh, oh, that's not, that's not good. She might not see great. So I brought the dog to the city. Okay. The old German shepherd with 11% Malinois, I found out. 
Well, what's um, that? That means the breeder didn't know what the hell they were doing. It's oh. supposed, to be, it's supposed to be a full German Shepherd. I got a German Shepherd with Malinois mix. And Belgian oh Malinois. So Belgian Malinois is a great dog. It's what the cops use in the military and everything. They're very, they're, but they can also be crazy. But uh, people kept saying, oh, is that a Malinois? Is that a Malinois? Is that a Malinois? I'm like, no, it's a German Shepherd. And finally, after the 500th person asked me, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a doggy DNA. And I did. <laughs> and it came back 11% Malinois. Great grandpa was a Malinois. And those guys, <laughs> they can be pretty ruthless. <laughs> Right. As they say in the Malinois business. See, I, I don't know that business at all. But but my other point is now if your dog or any dogs, once you give the government your dog DNA, mm. they're going to have that forever. So if if your dog's great, 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 great grand bitch like commits a murder, mm -hmm. they're going to be able to trace it to the dog right yep. away. Yeah. Well, these are the things they didn't tell me when I spat into a tube for myself. You know, now mm -hmm. I got to be careful. Now suddenly I yeah. got to be careful not to leave DNA on a, on a crime scene. So you've done one of these 23 and me type tests as well. I did. Wow. Mr. Privacy. I like yeah. genealogy. <laughs> Jeez. Tracing my roots, my Irish and English and Latvian Lithuanian roots. Wow. Yeah. That's, I, it's weird. I thought you were uh, pure Nigerian. I thought you were 100%. A lot of people say that because of my nose, but I, I tell them it's, they're wrong. Oh, they're okay. Wrong. But uh, so I brought Doggo to the city. Okay. And I spent 24 hours trying to get her to go to the bathroom. Oh my gosh. Because so, a, a country mm -hmm. dog likes to, it, it's used to sit, sitting on grass. Yep. And so it, and to do its business. Yes. So she, she's had a solid nearly two years of just doing her business on grass. And then suddenly I drag her to the, the city that only sleeps at about 2 a.m. because of COVID now. The, used to never sleep, but now we kind of take a break. I saw Mayor Adams change that. I was disappointed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just one of his many changes. And uh, so I, I just wa I walked the entire freaking city just saying the same thing over again. Go potty, go potty, go potty, go potty. I, I must have looked like a crazy person. Well, that's always the case, especially with your hair these days. So like, so can, so explain to me. So you have, uh, you spent 24 hours trying to get your dog to go to the bathroom. Can, can you tell us about some of the, some of the things that you did? Some of the, you know, if yep. you're spending 24 hours doing it, you're doing more, a lot more than walking. You must be doing some pretty unorthodox things to try yep. and get him to take a dump. Can you sort of walk us through some of the things you did with your dog? Yeah, uh, sure. I uh, took her to the Lion King. <laughs> What was the yeah. purpose of that? I was hoping she'd just turn to me and go, what is this shit? And I'd be <laughs> speaking of, and then just point to the floor. And, but it just didn't, you know, first of all, she doesn't talk. And secondly, anytime I said it, I got shushed. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Cause in, in Broadway, all of a sudden you can't talk in a play. Yeah. That's always been the case. And I was telling my wife that now you know, they get like, get off your phone or go outside. And these people, New Yorkers are just, they're, they're jerks. Inconsiderate. No. Okay. So that didn't work. <laughs> so that didn't work. It's a good idea. It's yeah. a good idea. Okay. So you took your dog to the Lion King. You took yeah. her on a, a long walk. Um, yeah. What else have you done with the dog? I took her to a drag queen story hour at the, uh, at the children's library. That's um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't understand how that would get a dog to uh, defecate. Because I was hoping that the, all the irate parents there is shouting, <laughs> Shouting at this person 
uh, might scare the dog into defecating right there in the middle of the New York Children's Library. Right. Uh, I was there for 45 minutes. Wow. Uh, but you know, I, I watched a, a, a man dressed as a woman reading Aesop's fables. <laughs> and, but nothing, nothing came out. So I said, okay, I'm out of here. Man alive. Okay, that's a good plan. Where did you go next in order to, again, to get your dog to defecate? What, what other sort of uh, things did you do? Um, well, I went to the Bronx. Oh my gosh, okay. Because that should scare the crap out of anyone. You would think so. We came out of the subway. We came up the stairs. We got to this, stood up there, got up to the top. And I just saw like this group of people. And I just, I right there. And then I went and then I looked at the dog and I, uh, tears in my eyes. And I said, it was supposed to be you. So Mr. Mr. West side of Manhattan goes to the Bronx and then immediately soils himself the second he touches foot in the Bronx. Well, because, um, you know, I know my friend uh, Felix was was killed there. And so I have bad memories of the Bronx. Okay, he got shot in the head, Jack, for Uh, being with somebody else's girl. And that's street justice. He was the recipient of some street justice. Yeah, I got no issue with that. But he liked my sneakers. He used to say, I like your kicks. And I'd say, thank you, Felix. Oh, that means sneakers. Yeah, kicks. Yeah. Because, yeah, the first time he said that, I said, what do you, what? And he said, I like your kicks. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he just looked down at my Pumas. Mm-hmm. And he goes, those. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. well, you have a good day, Felix. And I hope you don't get shot in the head for shagging somebody's girlfriend. <laughs> Ironic that really? he wound up. That's how he went. How he went. And I always wonder if that's the last thing he thought about. Probably. I was like, I was like Brian totally said. You know, but the, you know, a shot to the head. You don't have a lot of time to think, Jack. No, but I think a lot of people, when they sort of pass on to the next level, when they shed their mortal coil, usually their thought is something to do with you. I would like that. That would be nice. You know, I kind of, I kind of I, I think that every once in a while, like, you know, maybe JFK Jr. Mm-hmm. As he's, you know, as he's gently guiding his plane into the Atlantic Ocean in the dark. Mm-hmm. I, if he was just going like, Brian, 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 would Brian have done this? Because mm-hmm. we both right. had just as much flight training. <laughs> and I was trained enough to know not to fly over dark water at night. Right. Maybe that wave is Nantucket. Whoops. Right. Nope, it's not. Yeah. Oh, all oh, my plane's doing the flippy doos, as they say in the pilot training. See, I, I wasn't trained as a pilot. I didn't know that's what it was called. Flippy doos. It's when your ailerons go upside down. Oh, is that what it means? Okay, yeah. that makes sense. So you're in the Bronx, yeah. uh, uh, pants full of mess. What, and what happens? What do you do? There's a place called Penny Pincher. Mm-hmm. It's a clothing store, secondhand clothes. And I bought some yep. secondhand clothes. Okay. I, unfortunately, it's, they were all women's clothes. <laughs> you know, I got out of the Penny Pincher with my, mm-hmm. my new outfit. Mm-hmm. Immediately got recruited to do a drag queen story hour. <laughs> At the Bronx Children's Library. Well, that's where they, those things should be done. So I'm grudgingly like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I walk in there. There's a, there's a bunch of angry parents. Yep. And, you know, they're shouting at me uh, that I'm trying to, to, to ruin their kid. To do, I'm grooming. I'm, I'm, I'm creepy, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just there to do my job. Except there's not a single book in this library. <laughs> Why? What happened? They just kind of shrugged and they're like, it's the Bronx. <laughs> 
So you just read like a can of Four loco or something? I actually read the police report about my friend Felix getting shot in the head. <laughs> and then like one guy from the back of the room, like slowly exited, like he, he's found me. Yeah, he backed out of there real quick and I thought about chasing him. But. But then I, I had the dog. Yeah, God knows a German shepherd would be no good at this. <laughs> and then finally, the dog kind of walks up in front of all the kids as I'm yep. finishing the police blotter. Mm-hmm. And she does her business. Oh. And the kids start cheering. Great. They, this is the best drag queen happy hour with a defecating dog they've ever been to. <laughs> and the dog looks and you should have seen the, the look on her face as she looks around at all these kids clapping and so happy and pointing and laughing. And it's the greatest time they've ever had at the Bronx library. Wow. And now I can't get that thing to stop. What? She's crapping everywhere. She craps everywhere. And then she just looks at me for approval. <laughs> and now I just give her scornful glances. And I say, please stop it. So, I mean, is it true that every time she sees a child, she'll immediately go up to it and crap and hope for like uh, approval? Yep. She circles the child several times, gets the kid's attention, and then she just drops it right there. And then she looks at the child. And if the child doesn't react in the right way that she's been accustomed to, she lashes out. Oh, God. She's worse than a pit bull, Jack. That's that's a shame. I'm sorry. Well, all right. Well, th well thank you for sharing your story. Let's let's now. Very quickly, uh, turn back to your cat for a moment. Yeah. Your cat. Um, Mochi. Mochi. Um, how are you planning to break it to your son? I'll just say little things under my breath. <laughs> so like if, if we walk by like her little watering dish, I'm going to, I'll just say like, probably won't need that much longer. You know, oh, that kind okay. of, just kind of thing. And the, the kitty litter, I'll be like, honey, mm -hmm. should I order more kitty litter? Or I guess not. Right. And then just kind of look at her and then we'll just kind of look at each other and just kind of nod. <laughs> and he'll just be like, what, what, what's going, what do you, what, what's going on? What, what, mm -hmm. what's going on? You know, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we used to vacuum up the cat hair. Yeah. You know, little, but now I'm just going to suggest, I was like, Hey, you want to throw that in a Ziploc bag for Habsies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little memento. Memento. Hmm. That's. It's yeah, very heartbreaking. I'm so sorry. And, and, and you know, what what other ways um, has this brain tumor sort of affected your cat's behavior? I, you've in the in the past told me that it's there's been some some extreme differences in behavior. Um, that it's not just like you know walking to the left or anything. That there's a, yeah. some really big changes. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, it, it, it absolutely uh, loathes uh, contemporary art. Well, I, and I know she loves contemporary art. She used to, used to, but now, I mean, I, I have something hanging in the hallway and she just looks at it and she's like, come on. And, and then just kind of walks on by in a circle to the left. Oh, okay. But eventually gets out of the way. Okay, that's good. Hey, what other ways has this changed your cat's behavior, this brain tumor? Um, she, you know, she used to drink, I'd have a little thing of milk. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and she, she didn't want milk. And so I tried water. She didn't want water. And so I went through all the liquids in the house mm -hmm. and she will only drink Pisco sours. <laughs> and she just laps that stuff up. No kidding. Yeah. And how does she behave after that? She walks in a circle, but to the right. <laughs> wow. So she's really loaded at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's the opposite of what, of her, of her normal routine.
lately. Yeah, exactly. And what, what, what sort of drunk is she? Is she a belligerent drunk or? Um, yeah, she, I mean, she can be. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, she, my wife was sleeping and, and she just, you you heard her kind of stagger to the right into the bedroom and then eventually make her way to the bed. Cause she just kept going in circles and, but she, she does move forward mm-hmm. uh, and then she eventually leapt up onto the bed. Okay. And just kind of watched and just kind of sat and put her ass right in my wife's face, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, that's, that's not something my wife wants to see. I right. know this firsthand. Sure, me too. Does not does not want an ass in her face. Nope. And so you know, woke my wife up, and when my wife wakes up, she has a hard time falling back asleep. Mm-hmm. Same with my me, wife. Yeah, because I'm always like, I'm so sorry you you were woken up by the cat. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry the cat woke you up. I'm so so sorry. And at some point, she just tells me to go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she falls asleep. Right. Then she wakes up with your ass in her face again. Yep. And once again, it's a big no. Oh, man. Uh, well, I don't know. For uh, You know, we don't have time to unpack what's wrong with your wife. But uh, yeah, so, okay, so that's the type of drunk your cat is. You know, is there any um, any other ways that the brain tumor has sort of affected your this uh, cat's typical behavior? Yeah. Um, I know, you know, for, I, I basically, I realize that she has not filed her 2022 cat taxes. That's, and those are due. Yeah. No, I, they were, they, I know she filed for an extension. Mm-hmm. So she had until October 16th or so. Right. Uh, but when I was cleaning up her litter box, I saw them tucked in back behind the washing machine. No kidding. The, the little, the little kitty cat tax documents. So it's, uh, what's she's, even worse about that is it's just like, she's keeping secrets from you. She's, you know, she didn't, I just, I know she didn't want me to yell at her for not filing her kitty cat taxes, but, uh, you know, now I'm not going to say anything because I feel bad for her. And, you know, to be quite honest, by the time they get around to auditing her, she's not going to be here anymore. Right. Like well, this, what is that audit going to look like? You basically the kitty cat IRS, mm-hmm. you'll get a letter from them just saying you're supposed to leave a mouse heart on your doorstep. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you keep the rest of the mouse, but the government wants that piece. They want their share. Yep. They want their taste. They want their taste. Man, there's too much government in the world. Someone's got to pay for all these, these kitty cat things. <sighs> yeah, they really do. Uh, Brian, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm so sorry that you're having such animal troubles. It's okay, Jack. It's, you know, when you're, you get pets, bring you joy and they bring you sadness, just like uh, you know, children and political candidates. That's right. I'm sorry, Kathy Hochul won, Brian. I'm very sorry about that. (laughs) Hey, Brian. Hi, Jack. Because I'm such a busy person, I I have this new job and and the move and all these things. I haven't had a lot of time to do uh, a lot of classical parenting. No, I know. And, um, you know, so it's, I, I realize, you know, I, my, my children are, are unkempt, unshowered. Uh, I have no idea if they even attend school or not. Mm-hmm. And worst of all is that I just feel like I'm not necessarily there for them to give them a lot of good advice and things. Yeah. So, you know, I was wondering if you could, you know, I, I know my daughter really, uh, she, she may not like you, but I know she respects your advice. So I was wondering if this, if we could take a little time where you could just give my daughter Eden, she turns 10 in a few days. Give give her some advice on um, some things that she's having problems with. Would would you be all right with that? I've lived. 
as we say in the uh, middle age business, you know? Mm -hmm. You've lived and best of all, you've been a parent to two uh, kids her age already. So that that of experience is just so valuable to me. So um, I'm going to put Eden on. Yeah. And since we only have the one set of headphones, you're just going to talk to Eden. She's going to ask you for some advice. Okay. I had a 10 year old five years ago. Yes, you sure did. You sure did. Um, so here, here's Eden. Here's Eden. Hi. Hi. Hi, mop head. Mop head. Listen, I let my hair go a little bit because of COVID, but I wouldn't say it's a mop head. Uh, look in a mirror. Okay. What do you need to know? Um, I'm getting braces soon, and I don't know like what to do or what to expect, what to look at. I mean, not look at. What am I saying? Eat. <laughs> What I would do if I were you is this is going to be between you and me. I don't want your dad in on this, but this is a great way for you to make a lot of money. Okay. Cause braces are very expensive. So what you're going to do is you're going to take, you're going to say, okay, dad, doctor, say, what's your doctor's name? Say it's Dr. Johnson. So Dr. Johnson, the orthodontist, he needs his thousands of dollars. I'll give it to him. All right. Your dad's going to give you thousands of dollars to make sure they're in an envelope. You want cash only. Dr. Johnson only takes cash. You're going to take that money. And then when your mom drops you off at the orthodontist, you're going to go into the orthodontist. All right. Then you're going to ask the orthodontist if you can use the bathroom. You're going to climb through the bathroom window, come back out to the car and say it's all set. All right. Now you're going to pocket that money. I want 20% of it because I'm giving you this great idea. Now your parents are going to have to see braces on you. So what looks like braces? Paper clips. So I need you to get paper clips and glue. You straighten out the paper clips, you put it in your mouth, you glue it on your teeth. And every time you see your dad and mom, you just kind of smile at them and show them your paper clip braces. And then two years from now, when they drop you off, you're just going to rip those things off. You're going to come out from the dentist's office or the orthodontist and say, okay, it's all over, mom. They said I'm done. And you'll be thousands of dollars richer. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's very sophisticated. But why? When I could just get braces on? Have them colorful, enjoy life, and um, get birthday money? Yeah, you, I'm talking, you'll have birthday money. You'll have thousands of dollars. But if braces are $7,000, you could pocket 7,000 minus 20%. That's my my fee for giving you this brilliant idea. So now you've got, say, $5,000. You can do what you want with it. Think of all the Barbie dolls you can buy or machine guns, if you like machine guns. I don't play with either one. Matchbox cars. No. Cigarettes. Both are fun. There you go. Bottles of champagne. Eh, it tastes bad. It smells good. Uh, decent champagne is good. Bad champagne is bad. Real champagne doesn't come from California. That's a good lesson for you. Sure. Wine tastes bad. Beer, bad. It You're smells right. good, So you've it's tasted right. wine and champagne and beer? Yes. Okay. They're bad, but they smell good. Hmm. Fact. Okay, there you go. So, uh, okay, so we've, we've dealt with the braces. Um, what, what other questions do you have for Brian? Like, how do you make a best friend? Now, why do you ask that? Because I don't have a best friend since we just moved here-ish. Oh. And we kind of moved here recently. Well, um, this is what you do. So now that you've got $5,000 from your fake braces. Bribe? Yeah, money gets you a lot of things. So you just, you're going to walk around school and you're going to find the person you want to be friends with. And you just walk right up to them and said, we're going to be good friends. And you're going to hand her a crisp $100 bill. Okay. And a bottle of champagne. 
That's a welcoming gift. Exactly. As long as the money's there, you've got a best friend. Just, you know, follow the lesson of MC Hammer. Don't run out of money or your friends will go away. <laughs> but what if they find the money and they take it away and they, they keep it to themselves or they burn it and go to jail? Well, then your best friend is a thief and or an arsonist. No, I mean my parents. They're the well, real thieves. Then your parents are thieves and or arsonists. So are teachers. They take joy away from children. That's true. Teachers do take joy away from children. It's, it's in their union contract. So if you move and you mm -hmm. don't like your new house and you would rather go back to the other one because it's so much better and you have more friends there, like... Boy. <laughs> How do you change, like, how you feel about this particular place that you don't like? Well, uh, getting back to arson, uh, you go to the store, you got $5,000 minus the 100 to give your friend. Uh, get yourself a portable stove, okay? And then you're going to get a, a five-gallon jerry can of gasoline and a timer. So you have the portable stove plugged into the timer and then the five-gallon jerry can of gasoline on top of the portable stove, you set the timer for like an hour, and then you hightail it out of there. Oh, so you burn it? Yeah, and then you get a new house. It's going to take them a long time to rebuild, so in that time, you just convince your family to go back to Dobbs Ferry. You know what's sad is that you know, once you guys moved out of Dobbs Ferry, they put up a sign as you enter Dobbs Ferry. It says, Dobbs Ferry, we're having fun now. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> Good advice, but um, no money. Good advice, but no money. Hey, Brian, what were you guys talking about? She needs a lift to the sit-go. <laughs> <laughs> so there's money in audiobooks. I don't know if you know this, but, you know, audiobooks are a big thing. People don't have time to read. They like to listen as they're at the gym or driving or whatever. And our, you know, instead of podcasts. And um, so, you know, an audiobook is a way to make money. They need people to read audiobooks and they want those people to kind of sound like the average kind of person. Well, I don't know about that right? part, but certainly all the big venture capital is going into audiobooks right now. Yeah. They don't mm -hmm. want a voice like mine, a professional voice, a voice that is in Grand Theft Auto. They don't want a voice like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They want somebody, you know, just kind of like you, just kind of average guy you hear on the street. And and so I have a friend who's an agent and 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 can get you uh, audiobook auditions. And there's there's a potential here to a steady stream of books coming in. You know, with um with the holidays coming up and with my daughter's braces uh, that I have to pay for. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of good return on that investment right now. By the way, um, no, I, you know, I figured now is a good time to get a little bit of extra scratch. So I really appreciate this opportunity, Brian. Yeah, so I uh, so this is uh, for Simon and Schuster is looking for someone to read this uh, book. It's called The Day the Bird Died. Aww. I guess it's a first person account of working at a company. Um, and, and so I said, oh, my, my friend Jack, he, he'd be great for this, I think. And they said, sure. And they sent me a page from the book. They'd like you to read it. They want it just a professional read. They they say they, they prefer the average kind of person right off the street reading the, reading the page right away that you don't need to kind of <laughs> practice it or anything like that. Oh, so I can't read it ahead of time? No, they don't like that. <sighs> okay. All right. That's and fine. So you just read it, you know, give it a professional read and, uh, and you're in. Okay. Like I'm, I, I, okay, great. I, I'm ready to, uh, I'm ready to do this. All right. It's called the day the bird died. It's a, I guess the first person account of, of working at a, at a business. 
Okay. Um, I'm ready to go. I have never read this before in my life. Uh, tell me when to start. Take it away. Audiobook man. The fate of the higher-ups had been sealed months earlier, so it was no surprise when they were purged immediately after he was granted the power to do so. Joseph Stalin would have been proud, and although they weren't sent to the gulag or shot in the back of the head, they received severance packages that were incredibly large, just not as large as they'd hoped. In retrospect, I suppose we shouldn't have been surprised that a fascist Nazi like Elon Musk would do such a thing. Our attempts to make fun of him on social media all failed. Instead of letting us take pot shots at him, he fired back, and in some cases, even fired some employees who publicly complained about him. <laughs> Imagine firing an employee who was trying to shame you for internet points. It was unthinkable. It's exactly what a fascist Nazi like Hitler would do. Our work chat was filled with people talking about what it was like to work for literally Hitler. Just like you'd expect from a fascist Nazi, he immediately began to establish rules. We were in a state of disbelief. Not only was it no longer acceptable to publicly attack your boss, now we had to come into work. And just like Dr. Mengele, <laughs> he salted our wounds by making us come to work before 10. Angela, who I shared a desk with, burst into tears. She had never been up before 10, much less at work. She began taking pills for anxiety and depression and working for such a Hitler-esque figure as Elon <laughs> triggered her eating disorder. The unthinkable changes kept coming. Gone were the catered lunches. Gone were the freebies. You know who else got rid of catered lunches and freebies? Pol Pot. <laughs> also, he took control of Twitter right before the midterm elections. That could allow him to let people say things freely. We were terrified. If America were to vote for candidates we didn't like, then democracy was in danger. We were on the precipice, staring into the abyss, on the verge of the end of the American experiment. I cried so much that pine nuts in my quinoa salad floated to the top of the bowl. This was my Holocaust. <laughs> oh, shoot. Mm. Feels a little hyperbolic. A little hyperbolic. It's, that's the thing these days. A lot of hyperbole out there. Yeah. A lot of hyperbole. I uh, People are very hyperbolicious. You know, the first half of that, I was like, okay, it's okay. I'm sort of getting through this. And then, yeah, you know, the, the writer really sort of doubled down on just how Hitler-esque he is. I guess. I mean, Hitler, I mean, uh, Elon is just, just hard. It must be terrible to work for a man like that. It's a one for one comparison what Hitler yeah. did and what Elon Musk did. So yeah, I don't I, think I that's it. an, yeah, I don't think it's going too far to say that uh, I'm sending you a second. There's a second uh, audio book that's looking for a reader. Great. I sent it to you. That one was very topical. Hoping I'm that surprised you can, you can oh. land this. Yeah. That was a, yeah, I, they rush these books out nowadays. They really do. Um, okay. Um, I just got it. I have never read this before in my life. And okay. uh, what, what do I this need one's to know called, here? No, this one's called Harrison Schmidt was there too. Hmm. Okay. And that's all I know. Okay. There we go. Uh, count me down. All right. It's uh, th Simon and Schuster again. Three, two, one. I was the last man on the moon. Sure, Neil Armstrong got there first and got all the glory, but I made it too. You can't take that away from me because I'm still here writing my memoir. Where's Neil? Oh, that's right. He got sent to heaven 10 years ago. Third man, Charles Conrad, he's dead too. Alan Bean, dead. Alan Shepard, dead. 
I may have been the last man on the moon, but at least I'm alive and can still goose your wives, saggy old butts, losers. <laughs> Number six, Edgar Mitchell. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not you because you're dead. <laughs> How's about James Irwin? John Young, Eugene Cernan. Well, if there was a nightclub that only admitted living astronauts, then the bouncer would have to deny them entry because they're all dead. <laughs> you were on the moon before me? Big whoop. I don't care one bit. I know you are, but what am I? You know who else is like, uh, you know who else is alive like me? Buzz Aldrin, David P. Scott, and Charles M. Duke. That's it. And, and sure, they all got to the moon before I did. But here's the thing, yo. <laughs> Buzz off. And David Scott is like two first names. Super lame. It's time his parents. <laughs> it's like his parents didn't even try. And Charles Duke. Well, we called him Boner Lord for a reason. I won't say why, but it doesn't matter. I was the last man on the moon. And I have a secret that I'm finally going to get off my chest in the pages of this book. Before we left the lunar surface to return to the command module, I trashed, Neil's <laughs> I trashed Neil's footprint. I went right over to the Sea of, Tran sea of Tranquility, and I picked up their flag and chucked it into space, and I did wheelies with the lunar rover all over their footprints. There's not a trace of it. It's like they never existed. I know it was a little dicky to do, but it was also dicky of them not to send me up until the very end. So, now we're even. And haha, Apollo 13, because you clowns didn't even make it to the surface. That's because after the Apollo 12 party, I pissed in your oxygen scrubbers and crapped on your gimbal. <laughs> now you know, dicks. Huh. Shoot. Man. Not very astronaut. Not, I think of my older astronauts as a little bit more civilized, not saying things like, um... Uh, a buzz off and um, and saying yo in a weird way. It is weird. That seems they came from a different era. You, you wouldn't think they would talk like that. It's really strange. Knock, knock. Who's there? Nice Not you because you're dead. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Well, <sighs> that's unfortunate, but I still have one more audiobook script. You might uh, land. Should you Good. be able to read it professionally? Sorry. And, well, see, that uh, one was so know, without, hateful. He was very, he's a very angry astronaut. He's the last man on the moon. Harrison yes. Schmidt. Harrison he was Schmidt. there. He was there too. No All one right. ever talks about him. All right. No, one more chance. This is uh, this is uh, Harper Collins. Oh, well, that makes a difference new, to me. A book. And it's a Christmas themed book. So this would be good work. You'd be getting the money now. Oh, great. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, titles, The Night Santa Came. Oh, God. Okay. Holiday Spirit. Okay. God. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I haven't started so I can laugh. It doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. yeah take I've, her away. Audiobook man. Okay. While Martha slept snug in her bed, Santa held a small device over her head. It lit up and on the screen was a bowl of fruit. She's dreaming of sugar plums, said Santa to her mother, Janice. He held the device over brother Timmy's head. It lit up. Another bowl of fruit. Also sugar plums, said Santa. They're so innocent, said Janice. They must get that from their dad, grinned Santa, because you're hella naughty. <laughs> Santa pulled up Janice's pajama top, exposing her voluptuous breasts. 
He rubbed his hands over them, and she moaned with anticipation. Let's get out of the kids' room, or I'll be getting coal in my own stocking, laughed Santa. Janice grabbed Santa's hand and led him down the hallway. I'm going to be your ho-ho-ho, she said. She opened the door to her bedroom. Her husband, Simon, was well into his long winter nap, and although he was a deep sleeper, she wasn't about to take any chances while she was enjoying Santa. (laughs) She wasn't going to take any chances while she was enjoying St. Nick Dick. At dinner, she she dosed his eggnog with Rhypnol. She lay on the bed naked, beckoning to Santa. Before you could say, Rudolph, he was buck naked and climbing atop her. He snapped his fingers and into the room came Bucky, the condom-dispensing elf. (laughs) He held forth a box filled with colorful prophylactics, pretending not to notice Janice's erect nipples. (laughs) Santa reached into the box and pulled out a packet. What flavor, he asked. Sugar plums? Janice winced. <laughs> so it's a, an erotic Santa story. Harper Collins. Harper Collins. The, the night Santa came t- to town, I think. Yeah. Here comes Santa Claus right down the chimney. Right, right down the chimney. Right down the chimney. Hey, Eden, do you have any questions about the uh, script that Daddy just read? <laughs> Mama likey. Mama likey. All right, Brian, thanks for turning out my kid. Um, I guess that's all the time we have. I got to go uh, get here in therapy. <laughs> uh, you didn't tell me she was in the room. Yeah, no, she didn't leave. She's uh, just playing with uh, dolls in a not-so-innocent way anymore. (laughs) God almighty. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, Uh, Say hi to Barbie. (laughs) Well, um, tell Eden I hope she gets a best friend soon. Mm -hmm, I will. And, and, And to review us and all that. Tell her to review us. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't mind it. Okay. Got a nice review the other day. Did you see it? I did not. So glad that one guy isn't helping douchebags anymore and finally got back to doing this podcast. (laughs) I love, I love that we've turned people (laughs) into hating victims of tragedy. (laughs) Whatever it takes. Oh my gosh. My Um, pleasure. Well, that is delightful. Thank you for your review. What, uh, what is their uh, posted name? Pickle weasel. Pickle weasel. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> Pickle uh, weasel. Well, thanks. Thanks for your. <laughs> we, we, our, our reviews are very fun. We get very funny reviews from people. We do. Well, very thank you, Pickle weasel, for your support. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jack. All right. Till next time. Till next time. All right. I got to go tell my daughter what a pickle weasel is. Yep. All right. Questionable Material with Jack and Brian. Subscribe on any podcast platform. Watch our clips on YouTube. Visit us at qmpodcast.com. 